makes the greats great? What makes the successful successful? What makes the brilliant brilliant? Our Tuesday meetups with the celebrities of pharma industry and science are your one-stop shop to all these answers and more. Join us for Pies of Life, an initiative of the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program, where we bring your dream mentors to you. So um, I must admit, I came into this meeting without knowing exactly what to expect. And uh, Naren just threw me sort of uh, an invitation saying I talk to students, they're often looking for different people and different life stories and so on. And so here I am thinking we'll do a chat. And then um, I asked him, so what are you expecting of me? And then he says, uh, well, it'd be nice if you kind of spoke for about 10, 15 minutes about your life's journey. So it, it kind of starts to evolve a little structure. And uh, so then I thought, um, you know, all of us, by the time you look at us, you probably think we've done it a thousand times. We are very good at it. But I used to be very self-conscious when presenting. And it's much easier for me to present science or something like that. And once you have slides, you don't worry that you might forget something. So. I then said, you know, if I have to talk about myself, which is not the easiest thing, I don't do that very often, then can I rely on some slides? So you have the choice. I have a few slides that are not at all the typical slides that I would give in a seminar. These slides are my life's journey to an extent and the audience for which I prepared it for was my alma mater, which is Miranda House, one of my alma maters. All of you who have done PhD, masters, bachelors at different places, you know you have so many alma maters. So one of my alma maters is Miranda House, which these days is really nice to be an alma, alumni of because it's number one college ranked in India. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm going to talk a few things, and uh, I like to be informal. So you're absolutely welcome to interrupt anytime. And as I said, this is not a scientific talk at all. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is because I feel I am much older, wiser in some ways. And also I've seen a lot of the world, which I hope you will see with the right attitude because there's no place good or bad, it's what you make of it, that's important. So I'm sharing a few things that I have learned to some extent along my journey. And uh, I'd love to hear at the end what you thought about it and if there is some resonance with you or if there is completely different uh, experiences that I could learn from, right? It's always a two-way journey and uh, so with that, I'll see if it can be. Yeah, you should be able to share. Yeah. So as I said, this was prepared for Miranda House. I was thrilled to be invited to speak to them. Some of my favorite teachers, even from my time, were there, which is unbelievable. Miranda House uh, was one of the few institutions which had a stamp issued in its name. And this is the hostel, the site from the back. 
And uh, I lived in the hostel. And this is one of my most growing up time where I was miserable the first year because I was out of my house. But at the same time, I think I really grew as a person because I cultivated so many hobbies and so many friendships and a very different life than if I had continued to stay at home. So there's always good and bad about each stage. So in a way, what did I do till I got to Miranda? And that was in 1979. So I'm almost 60 now. And then where have I been since Miranda, as I mentioned? So since I got only a few minutes prep, this is the slide deck I'm planning to use. So at a very fundamental level, I was born in Jhansi. Uh, Jhansi is a place that many people know because the queen of Jhansi, Rani Lakshmi Bai, she is well known in the fight for India's independence, the first independence struggle. And there is a saying that was made famous by uh, Subhadra Kumari Chauhan, who wrote, a, her, who wrote a poem on Lakshmi Bai, which is, Bundele har bolo ke mu hamne suni kahani thi, khub ladi mardani wo to jhansi wali rani thi. So whenever I say that, I still get goosebumps. This is one of the poems I knew by heart very long, very, very early on. And I feel that my being born in Jhansi itself is a blessing because, you know, she died when she was 23 years old. And we know her. We know everything about her, even though she died at 23. And the part that I like about that poem is Dikha Gai Path. So she showed us the way. Sikha Gai. Hamko Jo Seek Sikhani Thi. So she taught us what she felt or what she knew we needed to learn, which is to value independence at that time. So at the age of 23, she had passed away, but she had shown the way and she had taught us something that we all hold dear somewhere deep down. And so whenever things have gotten tough for me, there is the saying in our family, well within us, we are born in Shansi, we can't give up. So it's part of my DNA. Now, this is a very famous book. I have read it many times. I highly recommend you read it. It's a very slim volume, will take more than a couple of hours. So in my case, I grew up all over India. My father used to be an Indian oil corporation. And so he used to get transferred every two to three years. So while I was born in Jhansi, which is somewhere here, dipping into Madhya Pradesh, I stayed many times in Delhi, in Chandigarh, which is somewhere Punjab. Then I stayed in uh, Chennai. I stayed in uh, Banaras and several other places. So the very fact that I had to move every two to three years, I had a different school. I had different friends. I think it made me flexible. Of course, I was miserable every time we had to move because you feel bad about leaving your house, leaving your friends, your school and teachers that you know. But in the long run, it helped me become flexible and adaptable to many changes I decided on my own. And I think people who are scientists like you are, in many ways, you also need to be flexible and adaptable because science changes and you cannot be too wedded to an idea. 
when I went to Miranda, this is another very formative stage. So I did very well in my high school. And when I went to Miranda, I could have chosen any subject I wanted. I could have gotten botany honors, which was very cool back then. I could have gotten zoology honors. I could have gotten chemistry honors, physics honors, whatever. I had done very well in my school. But because I didn't know whether I wanted botany or zoology and I liked biology a lot, I chose BSc General. BSc General back then was seen as the pits. People who couldn't get honors would choose, would not choose, they would be dumped in general. And in fact, it's a very bad way of saying it because actually the general students have to do botany, zoology, chemistry. They can't drop one of them in second year like the honor students do. But I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I did very well. I topped the university when I finished, University, Delhi University. But also I think there was a lot of change in the teachers. They used to come to class thinking, oh, hey, this is the backward class. This is not going to be this. And then slowly the fact that some of us were really good, we wanted to learn, we were willing to do extra labs, extra classes, the batch turned the image of BSc General at Miranda. So you should choose what you want to choose. Don't go by what is cool, what is HEP, what mm. is peer pressure. I've never regretted that decision, even though everybody told me BSc General will be seen as a dumb class. Then came Miranda and the hostel life. As I mentioned, the food was lousy. I mean, maybe it was better than some other colleges and so on, but hostel food is always lousy compared to home food. And you have to eat it only at that time, which was not easy, you know, between one and two your lunch and our practicals never finished till 3.30. So we were perpetually hungry. But what you get in hostel life is so much time and friends and teachers that you can learn from instead of worrying about getting home and fulfilling your parents' expectations all the time. So I picked up badminton. I picked up plays. So uh, Miranda being a girls college, most of the colleges around which had more men than women um, always ogled Mirandians. The back gate of Miranda was quite notorious for guys hanging around all the time. So next to all, any of you who have been to Delhi University, next to Miranda House is Sriram College for Commerce, SRCC. And there was a very, very nice uh, English professor come director, Dr. Rana Sudhir Kumar, I still remember him very well. So uh, SRCC used to put out a proper play every year and guess where they used to get the women from. So I used to enjoy, I never knew that I liked plays, but I participated every year. And every year I would get yelled at by the warden because I would come back late from practices, I would eat outside and so on, nobody cared. Um, but lots of good things. So one thing I would say is don't get stuck only to science and academics, have a life. And I think Narain probably symbolizes that even better than me because he does music, he does um, classical vocal, he plays tabla, he plays flute, he does painting, he does writing. I don't think I do quite as many as he does, but I'm happy however many I do. But I thoroughly had a blast for those three years. It made me independent, which stood me in very good stead when I decided to go for my masters. So as vibrant 
and liberating as Miranda was, I went to the extreme opposite for my masters, which is a place called Pantanagar. At that time, it was in Uttar Pradesh. Now it is in Uttarakhand. It is actually a magnificent physical location, which is a land grant university, which has very large agricultural fields where you can learn plant breeding and many other agricultural and microbiology and entomology related subjects. I went there because I was falling in love with genetics. And in traditional university like Delhi University, you could not do genetics. You had to do either botany or zoology. Again, the same dichotomy. But in colleges or universities like MS University Baroda or Pantnagar, you could choose genetics as part of plant breeding. Uh, so I went there. Again, the same story. I did very well in masters. I did extremely well in the entrance exam for Pantnagar. So I was invited by the Dean to choose my department. The cool departments were biochemistry and microbiology. And I choose plant breeding and genetics. The Dean of Agriculture calls me to his office and, and begs me to not take it. Why should I take something else? So we don't know how to look after a girl. Please don't take this course. Now, being the pig-headed person I am, jitna wo mujhe bole ki aap mat karo, the more I would think ki, this is very interesting, to ye to mujhe karna hai. So I said, I want to do genetics. So he said, Nini, microbiology may be a course. Hai. You can do that. I said, no, no, I don't want to just do a course. I want to learn. So then uh, he said, you know, you don't come from an agriculture background. So you will have to do additional courses. You will have to do 20 extra credits. And you will not be able to finish in two years. So I said, I'll try. I want to finish in two years. Anyway, I think I stuck to my guns. I was the only girl. There were 19 guys and one girl. And those guys were out to harass because they didn't know what to do with this girl. So I was in a place which is, this is a book, again, you all need role models. This is a book that I found very surprising. I read it in US. The book is written in around 1974, it covers the life of around 16 women in US in around 1974-75. These women are role or they are mold breakers, right? So the first woman who became a neurosurgeon in US is in this book. The first woman who became an oceanographer is in this book. The first woman who ran a shoe business is in this book. There are many women in this book that defy what nice girls used to do in US. 
And this is in 1974-ish. We're not talking of dark ages. So it took me by surprise that what all I had experienced at Pantnagar was being reflected even in US. And women were often hiding from their neighbors that they were scientists, that they were physicists, that they were neurosurgeons because their neighbors, the women in the neighborhood will not play with their children thinking ki ye to, you know, she's a little cookie here. So the reason I say that is you should be comfortable in who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. Choose what you want to do, go after it. If people crib, it's their problem. So I did genetics. I finished in two years. I finished with a perfect GPA. And I used to have lots of people who used to take out this air in my cycle, who used to follow me at nights when I would get scared, that would you know, turn my incubator off so my experiment would fail. Basically, a lot of people who tried to break my resolve. And uh, again, while it was a nightmarish time in many ways, so none of the professors wanted to, do, to be my MSc thesis advisor because they were scared that somehow they will get maligned and ye ladki ke kaam kar hai types, you know. So reverse sexual discrimination where nobody wants to work with you. So anyway, but I think again, that was very important part because it made me so independent that I could even decide to go out of the country in my next phase. And one of the things I think every place has a redeeming quality. One of the best things about Pantnagar was its library. In digital age, you will not even understand the value of that library that it was for me. It was my haven. And I was very good friends with a librarian who really looked out for me. So I learned a lot. And also this was one of my favorite buildings. Next. So until 1985, I had never taken an airplane. Most of us come from an age where we could not afford getting on a flight and back then flights were super, super expensive. So the first flight I took out, took was straight out of India, 1985, 2nd October, 1985. So I won a very prestigious scholarship, which is called Nehru Trust for Cambridge University. So it was a fully paid scholarship to go to England Cambridge. This is my alma mater in England. This is Trinity College. It has many innovations to its name. Newton, for example, was the master of Trinity at one point. And this structure, this little uh, dome that you see in the middle, Trinity was the first college, the first building in Cambridge to have its own water. It had a water fountain which was drinkable water. So it had the first time that it had piped water. So 10 of our students were selected to go to Cambridge. And the first year that we got there, Rajiv Gandhi and Sonia Gandhi, Sonia Gandhi nobody knew about, except she was the wife of Rajiv Gandhi back then. They were in England and they invited us because they wanted to know how is the current batch of Nehru scholars doing are they happy? And they just wanted to meet. So we were lucky enough to be taken to London at the, you know, ambassadors are uh, not ambassadors, high commissioners of 
uh, residence and uh, all of us dressed as best as we could back then. So there were these four girls, one, two, three, four of us. And then there were these six guys in the back, 10 of us. And, uh, you know, all of us were new to Cambridge. All of us were new to abroad. And some of us became such fast friends that we are still friends even today. Back then we had no internet, we had no email, we had no ability to phone, but still we wrote letters and we are still in touch, most of us. So I think this is again another phase which I credit for two major things in my life. One, I learned to cook because uh, vegetarian food in England was pathetic. They only had sandwiches and boiled potatoes and sweet yogurt and pastries. And so I learned to cook. I'm not a great cook, but I learned to cook for my survival. The second more serious thing is in a way, I feel I became an Indian. You think you know India and when you're living in India, you take everything kind of for granted. You never try to learn specifically and uh, you're amongst all sort of your own people. When you go abroad and people ask you stupid questions like, oh, you speak English. I'm telling you real things that I was asked. Oh, um, you have snakes in India. Um, oh, you have roads. How did you travel to UK? When you hear these kinds of comments, you know, you kind of either want to kill that person or you want to say as intelligently as possible as whatever. You know, we are a people that you ruled and destroyed, but we are not destroyed. We are who we are. So the real sense of being an Indian, to have pride in being an Indian, and yet see how many things we can do better because you're in a completely different surrounding. You're really enjoying the fact that you can focus on your work. I'll give an example. When I started my PhD, the first day I showed up in the lab, I met my prof for the first time. I'd never met him. So the guy who was assigned to be my supervisor, I met him. And after one minute, he says, okay, let me take you to the stores. He takes me to the Institute stores. They issue me a notebook. They issue me a couple of pens. They give me some uh, lab coat. And uh, then he takes me to the, the, the room which has chemicals or something. They give me one molar trace. They give me one whatever, these five, six different buffers. And then he says, this is your bench. And then one hour later, he gives me a list of things. This is what you have to prepare. I mean, can you imagine in India joining a university and not spending the first week just signing papers, bureaucracy, similo, similo in my master's? not in my master's, uh, in between, yeah. In my master's, every month I would spend almost one day getting my scholarship check out. Here, there is like no bureaucracy. So I remember feeling within that first day, you know, Jugnu, you've thought you can do certain things. Now you are here. There's nothing holding you back. Now you will find out how good you are. You really have to do it. So no excuses. So life can be something that you have to be strong about, but also trust yourself. And so you kind of learn to solve problems rather than rely on one person. 
And as many of you know, when you are doing your PhD, there's nothing that you read in a book. The exam doesn't come from the book. You have to learn. There's nothing you to say that this course not and you know I can't do this experiment. You just have to do it. So um, again, a tough part, and uh, yet in the life's journey, I think these are very important learnings. And I just kind of finished my PhD and I decided to switch. So I joined a lab from one Cambridge in England to a Cambridge, Massachusetts in Boston. And this is when I went to do my postdoc at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, which is one of the teaching hospitals of Harvard Medical School. And I don't know my postdoc advisor, I asked her later on one time, you know, why did you take me in your lab? You know, here I was doing plant molecular biology and you are a hardcore immunologist. You know, how come you took the chance on me? So she said, I don't know, you seemed eager and you wrote a good letter and I needed somebody and I was also starting off my lab and I needed molecular biology. So, I mean, I went from corn, corny biology to immunology. And for any of you who know immunology, it is like the jargon rich discipline of science any acronym that you cannot get that you can think of is there in immunology and i was drowning but anjana my supervisor is just a gem and i know naren knows her very well it's in fact during this time that i met naren in fact in 1991. And what was magical around this time is Anjana was just become an assistant professor at Dana-Farber. She had three students and myself and another person, Patri Patricia, who we all call Pat, we both joined pretty much within a month of each other as postdocs. So it was a very small lab, five people, one technician and Anjana, seven, eight people, very close group. Everybody knew where everybody was doing. We all used each other's pipettes. We only had three sets of pipettes for entire seven people. The lab was double the size of my bench in PhD, very tiny lab in Dana-Farber. So, but people were very cohesive. We used to split each other's cells. We trusted each other. We, you know, people would label probes and the other person would use it. People really were good, very cooperative lab. And uh, Anjana also extremely involved. So I used to not go to work on weekends because of certain issues. And uh, it was unheard of during the postdoc that a person is not going for her on Saturdays and Sundays. But once we came to that uh, agreement, Anjana would do mini preps for me. She would develop auto rads that we had kept in the freezer just so that the work would continue. And when I would come on Monday, there would be one long list of post-its written by Anjana. I read this, 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 now you need to do this. This is the next set of experiments. Please read this paper. There would be like this continuum 24 seven between the labs. And I was extremely lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. We discovered some really cool stuff in T-cell biology and got some nature papers, science papers, molecular cell biology. So in a way, 
everything that I missed during my PhD, I got during my postdoc. And a tremendously fantastic lab. And an extra kick was that there was a very well-known professor of T-cell biology at Stanford University, Dr. Jerry Crabtree, who was very famous and everybody looked to him as the god of immunology. And uh, we proved him wrong and we scooped him on many of these papers. So here was this tiny little lab in Dana-Farber, young assistant professor beating this Stanford guy who's going around fooling people and saying wrong things about us. And we came out victorious, great fun. So competition is always good, especially if you win. And so um, should I pause? So I met Naren in 1991. We went for a conference called the Society for Leukocyte Biology or something yeah. in Aspen, Colorado. And uh, uh, we talked for a few minutes or something, I don't know. But then uh, <clears throat> Naren was very good in uh, communication and he kept in touch. Then he joined a lab actually that was also working in T-cell biology in Germany, Edgar Serfling's lab. Yeah. And uh, we, we kept in touch for a long time and uh, one good, another friendship out of it. So then uh, after doing my postdoc for almost five years, uh, I again did something that uh, was not quite right in the sense that Anjana wanted me to stay in academia. I was writing R01 grants and all of that. But the person before me, Pat McCaffrey, who was another postdoc, she had done a shorter postdoc and she had joined this company called Vertex Pharmaceuticals. It's a structure-based drug design company back then. It's now doing completely different things. And she was very happy there. So she said, it's a great company. And uh, somehow I was not so happy about being an individual in an academic, academic setting. And I decided to try Vertex and liked it. It's also an unusual company. There is a book written about a com this company called The Billion Dollar Molecule. I read this book the night before my interview at Vertex. <laughs> I, instead of preparing for my interview, I read this book till three o'clock in the morning. It's fascinatingly written, very well written about how science happens in a new company, the tensions, the personalities and so on. So how does a biotech form? What happens, etc. It's a very nice book. Vertex happens to be the only job that I have held in my life. I was there for 14 years and then I quit in 2011 to come back to India. So there's a lot of Vertex in all the people who are at Vertex. And uh, one of the things that our founding person, Dr. Josh Boger used to say is that there should be fear and fun in science. I used to find it funny. Why fear? There is, should be fear. Fear in the sense, there must be times we are doing things that are making you scared. You are not sure where you are going, whether the work that you are doing, whether the risk you are taking, whether the hypothesis that you have is going to work out or not. That is the fear. Where is the fun? When things are going well, 
when you're five times you've tried something, it hasn't worked and it does work the sixth time, that fun. So he used to say there should be both fear and fun in science. If there's no fear, that means you're doing really routine stuff. And if there's no fun, that means somehow you're not being able to enjoy your journey. Sometimes think about it. Are you having more fun or more fear? And is that balance right for you? So now this is why I came back to India, but then I don't want to spend too much time on this part. So when I was at Vertex, uh, we used to use many types of human tissues and cells for screening our drugs, our targets, our biomarkers. And uh, usually we, it used to be done in partnership with US companies, Canadian companies, uh, German or French companies. And uh, being an Indian, when I would come back to India every year during my holidays, I would ask, you know, how come we don't have such companies in India? How come we are not storing patient samples? How come we don't keep patient data such that it can be used for pharmaceutical and therapeutic benefit? So after some time, I realized there isn't anybody doing it in India. And uh, one of the things that happens is when you get a scholarship and you go abroad, when you've had a good life, as you start coming to the age of 45, 50 something, you know, that guilt trip starts. You know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna give back to all the stuff that you got from your country? So I felt it's time that I gave back with my skills, with my own experience. So I chose to quit Vertex for no reason. And I chose to come back to India in November, 2011 to co-found a company, which is called Sapien Biosciences. You are all biologists, you know what Sapien means and uh, it's a biobank. So it's the first commercial biobank in India it's the largest now. And outside of China, it's the largest in Asia. So we do many cool things and we want to do even cooler things once we are able to reach a certain scale. So that's the journey. When I came to India, I was just turning 50. I had thought in 10 years, the company will be so big and uh, sustainable and everything. And I will retire at the age of 60 and I will go traveling and do all the other things that I have not managed to make enough time for. But alas, I'm turning 60 this year. And uh, I suspect there are a few more years ahead before I can hand over the baton to somebody who will be willing to take it. Divno, Starting uh, a company yeah, is very tough. So for all of you thinking of doing it, I would say, be very cautious. This is one area I would not say immediately, great, this is this is going to be the right of your life, just do it. No. Right. Hey, Jumsha, no uh, I don't want to interrupt, but um, can you just put the next slide? Because I think the next slide had your Sapien information. Yeah. I don't want to go into the Sapien stuff today. So that's why I deliberately. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Anyway. I just wanted so to see the name of the company and the cool logo. <laughs> Yeah, the, the logo was designed by us. Yeah. So uh, sapien means homo sapiens. So because we are keeping human samples, human data, and it is coming from human beings, in a way it is from a human to the patient for hopefully future. And so we are a biobank 
And our goal is to really work with healthcare industry so they have better diagnostics, better drugs that help future patients. So uh, Jugnal, if you can unshare, maybe the, every, they can ask you students and the format is like this a little bit, one more surprise for you is that uh, Shruti is going to do, uh, after, after the question and answer is finished, when few people have asked enough questions, then Shruti will do a rapid fire question. She'll explain that to you at the end. But, uh, but let's, uh, let's open it up for anybody who has any questions or comments for Jugnal now. Either raise your hand or just say, just speak. Yes, Sureka. Go ahead, Sureka. Yes. Hi, ma'am. I'm Sureka. I currently work in Biocon, like a company, a sister company of Biocon called Baikara, and I'm based in Bangalore at the moment. I've been working here for about two years. Um, so I had a question for you regarding uh, the work you did at Vertex Pharmaceuticals. So I was just trying to read up a little bit about it before today's session. And it said something about approaching drug design uh, using rational drug design versus, uh, so if you could just tell us a little bit more about that. And you mentioned just now that they were doing all sorts of different things. So if you could just tell yes. us a little bit. Uh, at the time that Vertex started, people used to design lots of molecules. They would make tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of chemical molecules and randomly see whether it would hit this or that and you know screen ultra high throughput, et cetera. So what Vertex was one of the very, very few companies along with Merck that started to say, okay, an enzyme is a target. For example, kinases was a major target class. And first they would isolate that protein in large enough quantities and be able to solve the crystal structure. So then you know the structure of the molecule and you know where the active site is. And so there would be modelers, not the ones that walk on the ramp, but modelers who are looking at computers who would then say, okay, I think you can dock a molecule here, here's an arginine, here is a lysine, these are the charged things, these will come together in this way. And so there would be fewer number of molecules made, plus much faster reiteration of where the pocket is and how to make it specific compared to other areas of the protein that may come there. So it is called structure-based drug design or rational drug design. And also, if you have solved the crystal structure of one enzyme and you have homologs, then it's easier for you to also solve the crystal structure of those molecules and know how to inhibit one but not the other. So they were masters at that. So the so crystal structure of HIV protease inhibitor was solved by Vertex. And that speeded up drug, design, drug discovery. The crystal structure of hepatitis B, uh, HCV virus was solved by Vertex. The crystal structure of many kinases was solved by Vertex. The crystal structure of GSK3 is one of the kinases where I was involved, was solved by Vertex. So they were considered very good in that. So this was one of the first companies to approach drug design this yes. way. Yes. And is, is that why that company was started out or it just ended yes. up? It was started this way, but now they have gone into phenotypic drug discovery, almost completely the opposite. And their lead molecule is that from cystic fibrosis, a huge CFTR channel, which nobody can crystallize. So again, another lesson is don't get too wedded to an idea. If you, it's a cool idea, you have an insight, go into another area. They still do structure-based drug design and they also do phenotypic drug discovery. 
Thank you so much. Ma'am, this is Sagya from IIT Bombay. Currently, I am pursuing uh, my career on cancer biology. I just wanted to see like you are handling two to sister companies like two to companies and along with the CUA, any words would you like to suggest for someone who want to start uh, their own entrepreneurship? So um, I wish I had not had two companies. That is certainly one of the things. It's very laborious and very energy sapping to run a company in India because of the red tape and the compliance. So if you want to start a company, there are many things you should think about. One, try and have at least a team of two, three more people because it is uh, required that you should have people not just good in science, but also in business, finance, and some other areas. There is a statistic that was shared by the tech transfer head of MIT that in their experience, a team that had four people had more than 80% chance of making it as a successful company. And one of the golden rules was that at least one out of the four people should be not from science. <clears throat> so if things are not going well, that person should be able to say, this is really crap, guys. We are running out of money. We need to do something. Because as scientists, we love our ideas and we believe after having failed so many times, next time. So that hopeless optimism that we carry sometimes goes too far. So have somebody who is not a scientist with you. Secondly, work with people with whom you can imagine sharing your worst nightmares with. Things will go wrong. So people who you do not know very well, with whom you have always been very polite, so on. Be careful because when things go wrong and people start fighting, you need to have people at your side who understand what you are doing. Thirdly, now the climate for entrepreneurship has become much better. You have grants like BIG, which are given out relatively easily. We didn't have any such thing. Uh, there are incubator centers that give you much more advice. Join some business groups. I was lucky I had joined Thai in Boston and uh, it did help me in some of my early connects. But uh, I would say join some groups. Don't try to go it alone. Feel free to reach out to people you know to ask something about uh, not just money. People get tired after some time if you keep asking them for money. But uh, about, you know, I need a connect to so-and-so. I don't know how to do this. Do you know? So build your social network. That is extremely important. And lastly, have enough resources. And by resources, I certainly mean money. I also mean emotional and family resources. That if you think it's going to take me two years to achieve something, and it doesn't happen for four years, you should have had that buffer. So when I came from US, I took a very calculated risk. I knew that if everything failed, I could go back to the US. I would have a job, 100% guaranteed. I had enough money for <clears throat> two years runway. I had Vertex stocks, which I sold slowly over a period of time till the company got started. We ran out of money. We didn't take salary for a few years. 
So I worried about other people's salary, how to pay that. But at least I was also not sweating that my family's survival depended on my salary. <clears throat> so be very practical. Entrepreneurship is not glamorous in India. Indians are risk averse. First and foremost, your friends, your family will tell you, itna sab padke bhi, IIT karke bhi, ab tumko, you know, 50 lakh ka job milta tha, ab tum ye phir se kyun ghatiya se office mein baithe ho. You know, the number of people who told me ki you used to drive a Mercedes in US, ki tum kya kar rahi ho yahan pe? Before coming to India, Narain talked to me so many times, ki what is the quality of life in India? Because he knew I'd lived abroad for so long. He could ask me and I would tell him unvarnished the problems I was facing. Internet kitna satata hai. So you have flash flooding. I can't get out of my house sometimes. You don't have, you have to have backup to every instrument. You know, so many problems. You order something, it takes sometimes six weeks to get it from US. In Vertex, we would order 48 hours, 99% things will show up. So don't underestimate the power of having a network of facilities, course facilities, people around. And if you're straight out of college, learn to, to think about how you will hire people who will be more experienced than you. Because you certainly don't want to hire people who have no experience. So think about those things, talk to people who you admire, ask them, how did you do it? What went wrong? What went right? Learn a little bit. There is another Hindi poem that I love a lot. It's called Purv Chalne Ke Batohi Baat Ki Pehchan Karle. Before going on a journey, O traveler, learn your path. So in there, one of the stanzas is Kaun kehta hai ki sapno ko na aane de hridai mein? Who says you shouldn't dream? Kaun kehta hai ki sapno ko na aane de hridai mein? Dekhte sab hai inhe, apni umar, apne samay mein. So everybody dreams in their own time, in their own life. Kintu jag ke panth par, yadi swapna do, to satya dosu. So for every two dreams, there are 200 truths. And truth here means something that will not work. Swapna parhi mugdhamatho. Satya kabhi gyan karli. So, dream. But with your eyes wide open by knowing what you are getting into and preparing that infrastructure around you that would be social, emotional, financial, physical, all of that. Long answer to your question, Arkhya. IIT has such a good incubation center. There are very cool people there. So many of your professors have started companies. It's one of the better institutes. Backward I am planning, but few of your lines give me a backup plan also. Yeah. Go work in a startup. The other thing I say is during your PhD, between PhD and master's or something, go work in a startup for a few months to a year. 
see whether you like it. Actually, ma'am, I also worked in Biocon for around eight months. After that, but only that I, I think I think that may not be a startup, right, Naren? Yeah, definitely not a startup experience. Yeah, but lot of not, lot of points you gave so far. Any um, any further questions? It's getting late. I know Jukno is not a, she's more of a morning person than a night person. So. <laughs> uh, hello, ma'am. Uh, I'm Trupti. Uh, I have a question. Uh, yes. Ma'am, how did you come up with the idea of starting Sapien Biosciences? So, uh, and how much planning went into, uh, you know, before you started with it? So uh, the idea came by itself almost because uh, when I was at Vertex, we used to use human information, human material for testing whether our hypothesis from mice and, and, and cell lines would ever hold up in human beings. And so I knew the value of human in vitro systems close to the actual disease. And when I used to look, we didn't have a biobank in India. So biobank is just the means to the end. We want to get to more uh, translatable discoveries. So for example, in drugs. So the idea was not a novel idea. I would not say it's a novel idea. It's what we will do with the biobank that will lead to novel products and different kinds of services. I didn't get a chance to, to ask you guys questions, but maybe another time no no go ahead so what are your plans after it's like after you do msc you have to do phd after you do your phd you have to do a postdoc after you do a postdoc then you have to get it so what are you guys planning to do maybe reshma and shalaka <laughs> <laughs> so ma'am uh, basically uh, uh, for personal reason, I want to stay in India because my parents are old and my husband is also working here. So right now I'm looking for a job uh, in Mumbai, uh, maybe industrial job because for uh, seven years I'm doing basic science. And uh, frankly speaking, um, you know, when you start science, uh, you, you feel like it is very glamorous and you will do something translational, which didn't happen during my past seven years. So right now I'm looking for something translational to, you know, to satisfy my thirst maybe or to do something which can ultimately help people. Bombay has a lot of different options. I'm sure you'll have good connects. Yeah. Yes, for me, it is like I have a dual mindset that whether I should go for a postdoc or do a job, both, both uh, streams I have kept open. Once I finish my PhD, then at that particular time, the situation, it depends on the situation where, where I choose it. Situation is of your making. Yes, because every time when we have a plan and at that particular moment, it doesn't work. So the, that time will decide that at which, which way we should go. I would say it slightly differently, Reshma. 
You decide where you want to go, but you will have yeah. A option B option C probably. Yes. And yes. Depending on which things align at the time, it will work out. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, all right. So I, I see uh, Reshma's kid has come. Anyway, so uh, if there are no further questions, if anybody has, uh, Shruti, why don't you take it off? Take it over. We've been here for an hour now. Uh, hi, ma'am. Uh, so uh, I would like to ask some uh, quick rapid fire questions. Uh, so about 10 questions. Uh, so hope you like it. Okay. Uh, describe yourself in three words. Optimistic, passionate, and and a world citizen. Great. Um, the contribution that you are most proud of uh, in starting any company. company, running Sapien, starting Sapien and making it sustainable. Um, so um, you believe in um, switching multiple uh, companies, I mean, multiple streams or specializing deep into one specific subject because um, I see that you pursued botany, then you went on to pursue immunology. So you believe that people should have multiple domain knowledge or they should specialize in a particular area deeper. So I don't speak for other people, but I feel that if once, so every stage allowed me to learn what I like the most. And so I would go in that direction. And in that stage, then I would learn this part doesn't work for me and this part I like more. So I went. So basically, I wanted to have fun in whatever I was doing. Um, your favorite extracurricular uh, activity? Swimming I mean, your reading. Swimming and reading. Academia or industry? Industry now. Same question you asked me 50 years ago, or not 50 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, academia. But I think it is two, both together, not or. It's the Hindi or. Academia <laughs> and industry. Uh, so, so what did you like the most? Living in India or abroad? Because I believe you stayed equally in, in both places. I like certain aspects of both. The food in India is marvelous. The hiking, walking, many things in US, the lack of red tapeism, the ability to pick up your car and just drive where you want to, safety, many things are great in US. So if a movie is made on you, what would be the theme of that? Maybe believing in oneself first and foremost not letting gender, color, and many other aspects that we believe limit us, limit us. So more or less a motivational story? Maybe, I hope so. If it does motivate somebody, I'll be glad. Um, so if you uh, had an opportunity to acquire a superpower, what it would be? 
or to understand what other people are thinking deep down in India, because they say all sorts of things to your face and they don't mean any of it. So I think better people's skills, being able to, um, to negotiate. I'm not good in negotiating. I'm very transparent, I'm very easy and very predictable. So I wish I had a little mystery and I could know what the other person wants and how to. Um, so what advice would you like to give to your 30 year old self? Um, don't worry about things that don't seem to work at that time. In the long run, things work out. Okay, um, final question. Your lifelong dream or maybe how you define success for yourself. Success is being at peace within yourself, knowing that you are doing something that satisfies you and you are doing it in harmony with your nature, which I believe I love the environment. So I think now I've become much more of a conservationist. So being in harmony with your nature and your inner self and being able to leave something behind more than what you took from this earth. Great. Thank you, Shruti. And thank you, Jibnu, for such a wonderful uh, session, a lot of, lot of gyan and I love that, you know, you weave poetry and so, so many beautiful things in between that was fascinating. A network should last a lifetime. Let us help you create lasting professional relationships with our world-class mentors through the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program. A strategic guidance program unlike no other full of expert interviews, industry internship opportunities, CV writing, inflection point analysis, life maps, and of course, the gateway to your dream career. For a limited time only, all our services are freely available for you as we truly want you to succeed.